Does Sean Payton trust Jameis Winston and what the New Orleans Saints need to do on the offensive and defensive sides to bounce back against the Washington football team? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making us your first listen today. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, free and on all platforms, including on YouTube. If you want to watch this ugly mug, just search for Locked on Saints. All right, y'all, I want to start off with a bit of a sensitive topic today. We're going to talk about the question, does Sean Payton trust Jameis Winston? Now, here's what I'm going to say to begin with. If Sean Payton didn't trust Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston wouldn't be on the field. But is there a lack of familiarity that's kind of held the passing game back a little bit? I think that's undeniable. And I think that that's true. You even heard Jameis Winston talk about it here recently. I think that we've conflated a lack of trust with a lack of familiarity, and it's more likely that it's the latter. This is only Jameis's fifth game now coming in as the starter for the New Orleans Saints. He's only four games into his tenure. Yes, he was with the team last year in 2020, but he was operating as the third quarterback in that system. He was the clipboard guy, effectively. He was not learning how to make play calls. He was not learning how to make calls in the huddle. He was not learning how to do checks and protections with the center. That communication wasn't getting there yet. The communication between him and the starting receivers and the first team. He was the third quarterback out there. So he was not getting a lot of snaps in practice, blah, 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 all of that. So I think with all of that being the case, it's hard to look at Jameis and say that he's had the time to show enough for more responsibility or, or, or greater volume of throws or, or whatever. That was at least up until last Sunday, where I do think you saw something click and make sense. Jameis Winston was very efficient in the passing game on Sunday against the Jets. But even Jameis said it himself, saying that the keys to the Ferrari are just not going to be handed over. He has to gain the trust of Sean Payton. Again, I don't think that it's trust. I think it's familiarity. But I think those two things do kind of go hand in hand a, a little bit. So when it comes down to it, I do think that you saw enough on Sunday against the New York Giants to start handing over more of the keys to the Ferrari. I don't know if the keys are all in different places, but right now it feels like Jameis Winston's only got the key to the trunk. Do Ferraris have trunks? I have no idea. But you know, you got to give him a key to at least let him sit in the front seat. You got to give him a key to the passenger seat. You got to give him a key to the ignition eventually. I do think that you saw something in Sunday's game against the Giants, even though it was a loss that warrants greater passing volume for Jameis Winston. And listen, I know the more that you throw the ball, the more you risk throwing an interception, but that's not specific to Jameis Winston. That's with any quarterback. You take any quarterback out there and you throw 23 times per game, they're not going to throw a lot of interceptions, but they might not throw a lot of touchdowns either. So you do have to find this happy medium of being an aggressive but yet careful team because this team does not like turnovers. We know that about Sean Payton and the and, and the Locked On Saints and the New Orleans Saints. They don't like turnovers, and I get that, but it's not specific to Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's going to throw interceptions, y'all. He's not going to be perfect, and he doesn't need to be perfect. He should be able to go out there and throw an interception, hell, two interceptions in some cases, depending upon what the remainder of the performance looks like. Not every quarterback goes out there and doesn't throw an interception the entire season. In fact, none of them do that. So there's just sort of this attitude around this idea that if Jameis Winston goes out there and throws an interception, then oh, famous Jameis is back. 
And oh, it's the bad Jameis. It's Dr. Jameis in, in Winston Hyde or whatever that terrible graphic was that they rolled a couple of weeks ago. Like, that's not the reality of football. The reality of football is that the passing game is necessary and the passing game is high variance. You're going to get interceptions. Drew Brees threw interceptions despite the fact that he was out there not throwing, you know, 15 yards or more downfield for the most part. Certainly there were times where he was able to push down there. But for the most part, this offense was condensed and was designed to operate close to the line of scrimmage, and there were still interceptions being thrown. If Jameis Winston goes out there and throws an interception for the rest of the regular season with 13 games left, that's 15 interceptions on the season. So if he averages an interception a game, you're looking at 15 interceptions for the season. And I think you'll take that because if he goes out there and also averages two touchdowns for the rest of this uh, for the rest of the season as well, picks up 26 more touchdowns before the season's out. He's already got eight. That's what, 34 touchdowns by the end of the season, 34 to 15. You'll take that. You'll take that. That's fine. But that's the thing is that we can't just say, oh, Jameis Winston threw an interception. Therefore, he's the old Jameis again. And he's famous Jameis. Like we just we can't go down that road anymore. We just simply can't. We looked at Taysom Hill's interception and a lot of folks said, well, you know, it didn't lead to any points. So it's not that big of a deal. We, we have to keep that same energy when it comes to, to Jameis Winston. So do I think that we've seen enough from Jameis Winston that he deserves a greater volume in the passing game? Yes. Do I think it's going to be perfect moving forward? Absolutely not. It's not supposed to be. It's football. That's why you have a defense too. So that becomes a big part of it for me. Um, is it, was there enough in terms of play calling and all the other things that were going on last week to receive questions and criticism? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But are you questioning and criticizing just to question and criticize? No. You question and criticize because you're seeking improvement. You're trying to push for improvement. So now we have to switch to being evaluators. I'm done questioning and criticizing. I'm finished with that. I'm now moving into being an evaluator for the rest of this weekend because I want to see, do the Saints take on a higher volume of passes up against Washington? Does it take until Seattle because they want to go through the bye week first to make that adjustment? That would also make sense. That's when you also are supposed to start getting pieces back, ideally, like Michael Thomas and Trey Quan Smith. Maybe that doesn't happen until Tampa. So do you take another step forward there? That's what we have to watch. Do they take a step forward this weekend, even if it's not the biggest step forward? Are they starting to take that step forward or not? I think that's what you're looking for. And that's where the familiarity question mark really gets answered. Because as they become more familiar with one another, then you get more opportunities in this offense. And I think without a doubt, it's time for more opportunities. Even if it doesn't mean completely take the top off yet, it's time for more opportunities. All right, y'all, as we look for that passing offense to continue to take steps forward for the New Orleans Saints, uh, I want to dive into the rest of the offense as well. We're going to go offense and defense, actually, with our keys to victory. We'll have that coming up for you here in just a sec. I want to tell you about why Taysom Hill still might have a huge role in this game, not at quarterback, though, but as a skill position player. We'll talk about why as we continue on with today's episode. But first, I want to tell you the Saints have moved. The line has changed. They are now favored by two points, minus two right now over at betonline.ag in their matchup against the Washington football team this weekend. Over-under has also moved down to 43 and a half. So you're feeling pretty good about either one of those numbers. You want to get in on some action there, go and check out our friends over at betonline.ag. If you're not into betting on the NFL, I completely understand. They got more for you, though. They've got the MLB as they move into uh, the postseason, which is one of the best playoff formats in uh, the entire uh, sporting world. And then you've also got NHL getting started here right around the corner. By the way, the best playoff format in the world. Uh, and then you have uh, MMA, you've got UFC you can get in on, and your favorite Vegas casino games, as well as end-of-year awards over with the NBA and back over with the NFL. So it's just a ton that you can get in on over at betonline.ag. If you can think it, 
You can bet it. They got a bunch going on over there. So go and check them out. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED ON so you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code L O C K E D O N as a new customer so you can get that 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Go and check them out at betonline.ag where the game starts. family continuing on with today's episode of locked on saints thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day grateful to be here with you and a part of your routine so thanks a bunch for all the support throughout the show want to talk a little bit about our keys to victory here we'll go offense then we'll go defense i wrapped up last time talking a little bit about uh Taysom hill going into this one so let's start off with him and about the important role that he plays for the new orleans saints and again i don't think it's about him at quarterback i think that it's about him as a uh, receiver in particular for this game. I, I went back and watched a couple of the uh, Washington football team's last games, but something that really stood out for me against the Atlanta Falcons was how much trouble they have with Cordero Patterson, who scored three touchdowns for them, despite the fact that he didn't play uh, a ton of snaps. I mean, just over like 23 snaps or so. So he had 12 of those in the backfield, seven snaps in the slot, and four snaps out wide. Now, the reason why that's important is because he drew coverage from a lot of Washington football team defenders, and they all struggled to stick with him. Now, Cordero Patterson is not the Cordero Patterson of the past, but he is still a very athletic player. So we have to tip our hat to Cordero Patterson for just being a great athlete for sure. But I do think that there's something here to the ability to move a piece around and sort of take advantage of matchups with your chess pieces. And I think Atlanta did a good job of that last week, particularly with Patterson, who drew coverage from Cole Holcomb. Kendall Fuller, Jamin Davis, Landon Collins, and Bobby McCain. So that is two safeties, one corner, and two middle linebackers that he ended up drawing the coverage of, scoring touchdowns on Bobby McCain and Landon Collins. Landon Collins, not the same Landon Collins of days in the past. Bobby McCain, a little bit more of a slot guy. And then, of course, Kendall Fuller, who was their slot corner in Washington as well. So he scored touchdowns on all three of those guys, picked up a bunch of first downs, all of that as well. So I do think that moving Taysom Hill around, whether you're targeting him, targeting him out of the backfield, which they also did with Cordero Patterson, or you're lining him up, up in the slot and out wide and utilizing him as sort of this movable chess piece could be a real I don't want to say easy, but maybe an attainable way to take advantage of some of those matchups that the Washington football team struggled with last week and then rinse repeat going into this week. Um, Let's go to key number two here. It's early wins on first and second down. The Saints are one of the teams that run the most on first down after the Thursday night game. They went from sixth to eighth on that, but still one of the top 10 teams when it comes to running on first and 10, but they're still at the bottom of the league when it comes to the opportunities that they've used to pass on first and 10. So the issue there is that they're only averaging about 3.89 yards per carry on first and 10. So that sets them up in second and long situations where they also like to run the ball and have not been very successful there either. In fact, they're fine on uh, second and eight, which they're one of the teams that run the most there as well as second and nine and second and 10. But second and nine, they're averaging only 0.6 yards per carry. Second and 10, they're averaging 2.44 yards per carry. So by either metric there, you're getting third and longs all over the place for this team. So early wins on first and second down, big pickups that help them stay ahead of schedule. That's going to be a big deal. The Washington football team, their defense is last in the league, very bottom in the league in terms of third down percentage allowed. They allow 
a lot of third down conversions. That's good news for the Saints who are in the top six right now in the NFL for third down conversions at about 44%, but getting those early wins on first and second down will help them keep that streak up against a team that is weak on third down defense. All right, finally, let's get to what it's going to take for the Saints to win at the trenches, and that's going to be a huge part of this game is win up front and throw 30 passes. Now, that's if, if, if that's going to be a part of the game plan this week, right? Don't know if it's going to be a part of the game plan this week or if they're going to wait until after the bye week to get there, but I think that winning up front gives you the opportunity there to feel a little bit more comfortable in your passing game. Also gives you the opportunity to continue to run the ball, right? The Saints have gone over 130 rushing yards three times this season, 170 or more as a team two times this season. We just saw Alvin Kamara put up only his fourth ever uh, 100-yard rushing day, reset a career high in carries against the New York Giants. I think it might be a little bit of a lighter day for Alvin Kamara in the in the uh, run game. We'll see if Divina Zigbo immediately gets involved or if they end up going to Dwayne Washington right away, both of which, either of which makes sense. But I do think that winning up front, resetting the line of scrimmage and allowing the running backs to be able to create based upon what the offensive line is creating for them is going to be important. It's also a fearsome front seven for that uh, Washington football team who have uh, you know, just under 10 sacks so far this season, but a lot of those coming from one spot, and that is Montez Sweat, who often rushes off the offensive right side, defensive left. So keep an eye out on that spot with Ryan Ramchek. But if you're able to open up this passing game a little bit more, or open up more opportunities for the passing game a bit by winning up front, then that allows you to get a greater volume of passes, and hopefully you're able to capitalize off of that and continue the momentum that you picked up in the passing game starting last week against those New York Giants. All right, family, time to get to the defense. Next, we're going to talk about our three keys to victory for the New Orleans Saints defense, including a matchup of Buckeyes here. The marquee matchup for this game takes place for the Saints defense. We'll talk about that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, which, of course, is brought to you by our friends over at BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bar on the market, a fan favorite back in the shop right now with the Churro Puff Bar, which is kind of this cinnamony, marshmallowy bar that's covered in 100% chocolate. Still gets you all the protein that you need without a ton of sugar. So go and check it out. The Churro Puff Bar that's on sale right now, along with the Mint Marshmallow Bar that's also out. You can check out both of those as well as all of your favorite standard flavors they have. Coconut, coconut, almond, German chocolate for you coconut lovers. If you got a sweet tooth, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, which is my favorite. Those are all available to you as well. So go and check them out. Find out what your favorite is by getting a sample box that'll give you two of all nine flavors, or you can create your own, build your own for up to three flavors there. And whatever it is that you do, don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, so you can get 15% off of your box at Built Bars. Whether it's your first or your next, doesn't matter. Promo code LOCKED15 is going to get you 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints with our three keys to victory over on the defensive side. So let's start off with the marquee matchup. Player to player here. Buckeye versus Buckeye. Ohio State versus Ohio State. Ross Draft Crush versus Ross Draft Crush. Marshawn Lattimore going on and going up against Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver, star wide receiver for the Washington football team. Uh, Terry McLaurin right now is ranked as the sixth best uh, uh, sorry, wide receiver out of 109 qualifying wide receivers. Some things changed after the uh, the Thursday night game, but he ends up matching up against Marshawn Lattimore, who is the ninth rated wide, uh, excuse me, cornerback out of 103 
uh, corners. Now, for a little while, he was PFF's highest ranked corner, but of course, the uh, the the big Saquon Barkley touchdown, a bit of a, a struggle-filled day for Lattimore up against the uh, New York Giants. Now he is, you know, going to kind of immediately go up a big go up against a big test here with Terry McLaurin, and I think the two Buckeyes are going to have themselves. Uh, a big time battle here. Terry McLaurin has gone something like 190 catches without a drop. So hopefully we just jinx that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, this is going to be a very fun matchup to watch. And this could be the tone setting matchup of this game because last week, the Wash, excuse me, the Giants, just like the Washington football team, were down a couple of wide receivers. Right now, the Washington football team is without uh, Curtis Samuel, they're without uh, 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 Cam Sims, and they're also. Uh, without Diami Brown, their young dynamic rookie that they drafted out of North Carolina. But we saw that last week too with the New York Giants. Now, of course, every every Sunday's different. Every Sunday's different. But a, a big part of why the New York Giants were still successful is because of Kenny Galladay, the number one wide receiver. So you don't want to see that this week up against Terry McLaurin, and he's going to draw the matchup of Marshawn Lattimore. We'll be interesting to see if he if Marshawn Lattimore shadows McLaurin. Unlike last week where he didn't shadow Kenny Galladay, we'll see if maybe the Saints uh, make that adjustment going into this Washington football team matchup. Something to watch there at the beginning of the game. Uh, next, I want to go to pressure from the left side for the New Orleans Saints. Now, that's the defensive left, offensive right in this case. Samuel Cosme is the starting right tackle for the Washington football team. He has allowed the most pressures for the team thus far with eight, which includes uh, six hurries. Uh, one hit and one sack. He's going to be matching up with Cam Jordan, who is top 20 in pressures, top five in quarterback hits so far this season. Not far below that uh, or or directly to the left of uh, Samuel Cosme is going to be Wes Schweitzer, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, who is now stepping in in place of Brandon Scherf. Now, he's only allowed two pressures so far this season, one hurry and one hit, but he's also only played 36 offensive snaps altogether when it comes to his time with the Washington football team so far this season. So definitely something to keep an eye out on because he's new, well, not new to the system. He was with Washington last year in 2020, played over a thousand snaps there, but he's just now getting into the rhythm of things here this season. So something for that left side of the Saints defensive line to take advantage of over on the right side of the Washington offensive line, who's very strong over on the left. Uh, Charles Leno has been very good so far. And then the other, you know, your guard and center have been very good for the Washington football team thus far this season. So something to watch over there in terms of where they might look to generate some of the pressure. I'll be very interested to see if without Logan Thomas on uh, available for the Washington football team, who is a quarterback turned tight end, that is actually a pretty good blocker. If the Saints start to overload one side of the line in their pass, uh, in their pass rush, as opposed to spreading it out evenly across where you have the three down linemen, two linebackers in the middle of the defense up against the uh, kind of sugaring the A gaps there. And then the two safeties on the outside will be interested to see if maybe both safeties come from the same side or if you cheat a linebacker over things like that to try to overload the right side of that Washington football team offensive line to put some pressure on Taylor Heineke, who's not the most uh, reliable quarterback when it comes to being under pressure. As of right now, his uh, when he's kept clean, he's got a 114.4 passer rating, but when he's under pressure, that drops to 77.1%, and he's got 4.08% of his plays have been turnover-worthy plays. That is above Jameis Winston's 3.8, by the way, but when it comes down to it, uh, I think getting pressure on Taylor Heineke is going to be key, and it might be coming from that right side of the offensive line for him. Last up, want to talk a little bit about a uh, a bit of a cliche for uh 
defenses around the NFL, this idea of bend, don't break. Well, for the New Orleans Saints, don't bend, don't break. Don't give an inch to this Washington football team offense. And one of the reasons why I say that is because I want to go back to the starting field position conversation. Last season, the Saints were 8-0 and when they started their average field position at their own 30 or better. So far this season, they've done that three times up against the uh, Green Bay Packers. Their average starting field position was their own 35. Up against the New England Patriots, their starting field position was their own 33. And then up against the Carolina Panthers in a loss here, their own starting field position was their own 33. Against the Giants, it was their own 26. So the Saints lost that game against the Giants and are now 10 and 1, thanks to the Carolina Panthers, over this season and last, where their starting field position is their own 30 or better. The defense helps to generate that. If the defense doesn't allow, you know, red zone possession after red zone possession after red zone possession, then all of a sudden they're punting from their own territory, for instance, or you're giving Deontay Harris the opportunity for a bigger return, whatever that might be. You need those opportunities. And a lot of that happens with the defense. Yes, special teams is a big part of it as well. If Deontay Harris can get some nice returns and all of that, but it can't be solely on special teams. The defense has to also put special teams in position to where you can field a punt, get 10 yards, and be in opposing territory to start off for the offense. Those types of wins and generating turnovers in enemy opposition territory as well are also going to be very, very important for the New Orleans Saints to be able to put some points on the board. And again, it will allow them to be in a situation to where they could be a little bit more comfortable with the balance of their play calling in terms of run slash pass. And especially against a Washington football team who passes the ball 64% of the time and only runs 36% of the time, if you can get the pressure and if you can generate the turnovers there, you can take advantage of some costly mistakes that a young quarterback like Taylor Heineke might make. All right, y'all. Looking forward to this game. I'm very curious to see how things are going to go uh, for the New Orleans Saints here. I think that we have an opportunity here to learn a lot. Let's get back to evaluating, and then we'll see if it's time to criticize again if they lose on Sunday in Landover, Maryland. We'll be back on Saturday to give you everything that you need to know about elevations, any roster changes, roster moves, things like that, as well as some final thoughts on the game, episode number six of the week. We really enjoyed doing those. And then, of course, right after the Sunday matchup, we'll have an episode out for you as well. As always, y'all, thank you so much for making us your first listen. Now for your second listen, go and check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Get all the NFL news that you need in less than 30 minutes with Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson. As always, I appreciate you making me a part of your day, y'all. And for everything in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.